amor por você e me arrochar com sobra do aceito. Deixa você sempre deixa o Se, se você deixa a você, iria você, você e você, você Thank you. 
have an urgent unspoken prayer request, a desperate unspoken, pray God will intervene in this situation. We're praying for a boy, eight years old in Fort McMurray with a brain tumor operation tomorrow. And we're remembering that eight-year-old boy. We're praying for Jack Cole, for Walter Stuckness. Let's remember all of our women that are at the women's retreat in Lewisport. And as they travel back this afternoon, God's hand of protection will be upon the Heavenly Father. We come to you now through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. And we thank you for the presence and the power that we feel not only in this sanctuary this morning, but we feel every moment that we live. Because you promised that you would never leave us, nor would you ever forsake us. Now for these people who are in desperate need have called our church and have asked, would you pray? Now I pray in Jesus' name as we activate our faith and stand on the written eternal word of God. That which you have promised for the promises of God are yes and amen. And we believe it to be done. We stand on your word. We claim your promises. And we're believing you are testimonies of God's miraculous power and how you have changed and transformed lives. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Bring your hands together as we thank God. Hallelujah. 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 You may be seated. Praise God. We want to pray with our children this morning. All of our children. Amen. Aren't they precious? Would you come all of our children this morning? Jesus said, suffer not. Let the little children come unto me and forbid them not. Such as the kingdom of heaven. Amen. All of our children. How many of you are glad we got children in church? Amen. They've been waiting for this moment. God bless them. Amen. for all of you that says I'm a member 
be a part of, okay, is God's team. We want you to always know that Jesus loves you. We want you to always read your Bible and pray and be a member of God's team. So this will always remind you of that, and you can even wear it as a necklace. How cool is that? All right, we're going to bow our head, close our eyes, everybody close your eyes. Right, and I will get all of you into that. Let's pray first. Dear Jesus, thank you for boys and girls and for the adults who got them ready and brought them to church. I pray that they will always know the most important team they can be a part of is God's team. And I pray that your love will rule in their hearts and in their minds. They will always know how special they are to you. Father, I pray health and safety over their lives. I pray blessings over their families. I pray you'll be with these precious children. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. You can all follow me. And if you didn't get a special God's team and face, you will get one in there. Good idea. Give our children a hand this morning. Amen. Well, it's good to be back this morning. We have missed you while we have been gone. And uh, I've been in a number of churches while we have been gone. But there's no church like Bearley. Amen. I'm so glad to be back this morning. And we just love you today. The Lord has forcibly laid this message on my heart this morning. I feel the heaviness that I have to share with you this morning, but I am not accountable to man, I'm accountable to God. Therefore, the Lord has spoken directly into my heart for this morning's service. I will be obedient to the voice of the Spirit and share with you what the Lord has laid on my heart. First Peter chapter 4. Let's stand, shall we, in reverence for the reading of his word. First Peter chapter 4. We're beginning to read at verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is now done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans do, living in debauchery, living in lust, in drunkenness, in sensual orgies, carousing, and in detestable idolatry. They think it strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation as they heap abuse on you. But they will give and to give an account to him who is ready to judge both the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. And above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. 
that each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one who is speaking the very word or the very oracles of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Our text verse is verse 4. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you. The title of our message this morning, Brother Greg, you can put it out, is entitled Church, Christ, Church, and culture. Christ, church, and culture. Heavenly Father, I pray the same anointing that enable me to prepare this this morning will be the same anointing that will enable me to deliver it. And I pray this people, God's people, will be open to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying in this very crucial hour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Christ, church, and culture. There is nobody in this building this morning that would argue with me that we are at a crossroads in our culture. There is nobody that would argue with me that the church is facing the greatest challenge in her 2,000 year history that she is changing and she is forced to change at this moment. We are finding ourselves amidst a cloud of suspicion as the church is no longer valued in society or in our communities. But I want to say firstly this morning that there should be a difference in the community because the church exists. And if it is left for some reason, there should be a void that's felt. Unfortunately, that's not often the case. We become more about church preserving than community transforming our communities. Solely pursuing cultural relevance is not the answer. Relevance is a tool, but gospel proclamation is the goal. When we pursue relevance as a goal, it leads us into an unhelpful pendulum swinging away from church culture into a culture that is ungodly, unwelcoming, and unwanted. Just like the disciples, we can look around us and see cultural indicators that we are going in the wrong direction. We see a broken world order. We see a hurting generation. And by sharing Christ to those in need, is the only relevance and the only answer for this generation. We are in a desperate situation culturally. Canada has never needed a revival any more than it needs at this moment. We need to pray for divine intervention in the nation of Canada. Do I hear an amen? And can I be bold enough to say, some of you need to get away from your political stripes and you need to vote according to the word of God. Somebody shout with me this morning. I know I lost 25% of you, but that's fine. Today, 
But the gospel has remained the same. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That is the message of the gospel. You say to me this morning, but pastor, we're living in a complex society. How can we reach this generation without compromising gospel? Then you ask the question, can this be done? I'm glad, Pastor Jared, you asked that. Thank you. How can it be done? Well, I believe it can be done. You see, Joseph, in an Egyptian culture, rose to the office of prime minister. He wore the Egyptian garb, spoke the Egyptian language, followed the Egyptian laws, but he influenced the nation for God. Daniel was in exile in the Babylonian captivity. He rose to leadership in a hostile environment. Paul in Athens, among the Epicureans and the Stoics, did not downgrade their religion, but found a common point and preached from the altar of the unknown gods. These are many examples who lived in culture, but remained faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. May I say this? The church is the unique channel of which we can influence culture. Few others, institutions, will have any impact upon our culture. But the church, empowered by the Spirit of God, can make a difference. Why? Because we are salt and light in a darkened world. And we can make a difference. We can sit home and fold our arms and think it's all over. What did the apostle share with us in this picture? This is what he says. Believers are done with sin. Do not live for evil human desires. The past life was one of sinfulness. People don't understand when we don't join their sinful living. They heap abuse on you and on us. There is a day of judgment that is coming. And the apostle Peter is clear. We understand what Christ has done, what the church is, and what the church can do in a culture that doesn't want the gospel. Let's look very quickly this morning at Christ. You see, Peter, as did Paul, throughout his writings reminded us that Christ suffered and his ministry as our suffering servant was for salvation, for deliverance, and for assurance. Jesus suffered for us and he is sovereign. And Christians should approach suffering with the same mindset, attitude, and perspective that he held. Enduring it willingly and looking beyond the suffering to the purpose of God. 1 Peter chapter 2. Here in verse 22, we read this. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. The example for dealing with culture can be none other than Jesus Christ himself. Do you know Jesus broke with tradition? The Jewish Pharisees and scribes for hundreds of years had taught Jewish tradition. They were not allowed to do this and they were not allowed to do that. They couldn't walk on Samaritan soil. They couldn't touch lepers. But Jesus over and over again broke Jewish law and broke traditions as he engaged with a culture of Samaritans who needed Jesus Christ. And he 
that be the Jesus. Amen. We used to sing it, I believe we still sing it. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Jesus, a lover of my soul. Someone said, Jesus is not my friend. Well, hear me. I have a friend that's sticking closer than any brother. And his name is Jesus. Just as Abraham was a friend of God, so am I. And this morning, Christ, a friend of sinners, he got him into trouble with the religious leaders of the day. Jesus warned about hypocrisy. But in John chapter 4, he meets the Samaritan woman. He meets a woman at a well who had been married many times and now living come along. But Jesus broke with tradition and he walked along cultural barriers. You see, this woman was out on all accounts. She was a woman. In that culture, a woman did not have citizenship like the men. So he broke culture by talking to a woman. Secondly, she was a Samaritan detested among the Jews. They would even wipe the dust of Samaritan soil off their feet. And thirdly, she was a sinner. But Jesus broke it and moved to her and said, where is your husband? He didn't accuse her, but he let her tell her story. And she said, I don't have a husband. He said, you said it well. For you have had five, and now the one you live with is not your husband. John chapter 8, the woman caught in adultery is thrown at the feet of Jesus, ready to stone her. And Jesus says, woman, where are your accusers? Go sin no more. I will give you living water, he says to the woman at the well, and you will never thirst again. I want you to note in the scriptures, it was the religious leaders that he confronted and condemned. They knew the law. They knew the requirements. And they ignored it and they took what suited themselves. Sound like Pentecostals? <laughs> no one in Deer Lake is in Birchie Van, Mr. Saul, but not in Deer Lake. I have had Christians over the years, they like taking the laws that they can bring out. But the laws that they bring, they hide back in the scriptures. Listen, the scripture says if you're guilty of breaking one, you're guilty of breaking them. Oh, say it with me this morning. Therefore, we need people who will be like Christ. So Christ here, he confronted and condemned the religious leaders. How do you know? Well, in Matthew 23, he called them hypocrites. In Matthew 23, 27 and 28, he called the Pharisees whitewashed tombs. In verse 33, he called them serpents, broods of vipers. And in Matthew 21, he went into the temple where they had the tables. And they turned over the tables and called them a den of thieves. You see, Jesus always showed grace to the sinner while revealing truth to them. Do you hear me? He showed grace while revealing truth to them. We cannot unhitch the Old Testament. Somebody shout it back. There is a movement telling us to unhitch the Old Testament. How do I know the Old Testament is inspired? Because Jesus said it. What do you mean? He referred to the Old Testament in his teaching. He referred to Jonah. He referred to the prophets. He referred to the Psalms. He referred to the, to the very pentateuch that Moses wrote. Therefore, Jesus himself endorsed the Holy Scriptures, the Old Testament. We cannot preach from the red letter Bible and only read the words of Jesus and cut everything else out. Christ was and is to come. He was in the book of Genesis. For in the beginning, the Spirit of God was there. And they moved upon the water. And they created man in their image. He was in the book of Genesis. And he is in 
is our mandate and he is our example as we deal with the culture that we are in today. For many years, Christians have worshipped in the Western world their denominations. They worship their leaderships. They worship television ministries. They worship buildings. And now we've come to worship worship. Hear me this morning. There is no worship outside of Jesus Christ. And if we're not worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ and pattering our lives after Him or pattering our lives after the last man or the last teaching or the latest one, we are going to find ourselves in spiritual shipwreck. But we need to set our eyes upon the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross and the shame and is sitting on the right hand of God the Father this morning. He is the revealed Christ. Amen. We can have all the seminars we wish. Hear me this morning. We need a divine revelation of Jesus again in this culture. We need to get a
tickle my fancy and I'll worship. But if you don't tickle my fancy, I'm not going to worship. Preach what I want you to preach and I'll shout. If you don't preach what I don't like, I won't shout. Hear me this morning. Church of God, it's about time we rose up and said we're standing for God. We're standing for His Word. We're standing on His principles. There's nothing else but the Word of God. You see, this Western culture that we live in is moving through a culture that is changing. And to read Scripture well, we must read ourselves and read our culture. For the Bible is very clear where culture is going and where it will be and what the church can do in the midst of a changing culture. You know the picture of an iceberg. It looms in the distance as a metaphor for our worldview. How much of an iceberg do we actually see? Well, as the captain of the Titanic sadly experienced very little. The tip pokes up through the water, announcing its presence to all the eyes to see. But the iceberg's immensity lurks undetected in the depths of the ocean. Hear me today. The enemy has an attack on our church, on our homes. We see the tip of the iceberg, but he's hoping that we will hit it get on. So that we will have spiritual disaster and spiritual corruption in our lives. Where are we in this culture? Pride Week has become a celebration throughout our country. And dare you speak anything against it, we are told that we are hate mongers. But I find it very ironic that the church can't stand up and say men and women need Jesus Christ and the love of God can reach to whosoever will. I find it very ironic that in Canada now, the movie Unplanned, I wish there was a movie theater this week in Deerland because I'd book every seat and I'd send every one of you to see the movie Unplanned. Oh, Pastor, now you're not off on a deep end. <laughs> Hear me. The movie Unplanned is a movie made in America about a woman who was the director of an abortion clinic making a journey from pro-abortion to pro-life. Our Canadian government, God bless their hearts, tried to censor that movie. They didn't want it in our theaters. People boycotted the theaters. People picketed the theaters. And I think, dear God, help us. Our country has changed its values so that now we have a parliament in Ottawa that stood and clapped because abortion is now on demand in this country. I believe we need a turning back to God. Do you? Somebody bombed some other religious institution. And 
Well, he's not a theologian, but he's a Newfoundlander. Do you know him? Yes. He recently, sometime back, wrote an article for the Globe and Mail. In that article, he said, in Canada, you are welcome unless you are a Christian. In Canada, you are welcome unless you are a Christian. Now, hear me. We have moved now to cohabitation. We have no issue with living together, not married. We have no problem with homosexual relationship. We can cheat and lie and steal. And this culture is teaching us, as long as it gratifies yourself, you go ahead and do it. Where are we in the culture? The culture is polar opposite of the church of Jesus Christ. Only 7% of this nation of Canada attends church. Think about it. We are a minority. In terms of value, the pressure to conform to the social norm of this new nation is upon the church of Jesus Christ. And we're blacklisted this morning. We're blacklisted. It will take courage and conviction to be a follower of Jesus Christ in these days. And the days ahead. The work of discipleship may be more urgent now than ever before, if that's at all possible. We need preaching more than we've ever needed it before. Come on. We have an illiterate generation. We need teaching and preaching among our people so we can defend the Word of God, know the Word of God, and stand firm in the Word of God. There is a theological and biblical base to these issues. There is also a pastoral and redemptive aspect to these matters as they touch perhaps every family in this church. One of my favorite authors, and I have every book that he has written, his name is R.T. Kendall. One of his later books that he wrote, he said this a few years back. He said, we as evangelicals are people of extreme. And he said, when the pendulum swings, it swings violently. I believe that this morning. Here, Archie Kendall again. We are people of extreme. And when the pendulum swings, it swings violently. Oh, I read an article even on our holidays of the bishop of one of the largest churches in America who said after an in-depth study of the scripture, I realize that much we preach is not relevant today and should not divide the church. But we ought to stop preaching it and just preach what people want to hear. Ah, don't you hear the scripture being fulfilled? They will have itching ears and they will heap to themselves teachers. Our sinful hearts in this day of culture that is drastically changing. What do we do with the culture that we are living in today? The culture has changed. Therefore, a faithful Christian will seek to be a redemptive influence in those same dimensions. To have such an influence, we must critically engage with the culture rather than passively consuming it. On the one hand, or withdrawing from it on the other. Do you hear me? We not, must not consume it on one hand, and we must not withdraw from it on the other. We got two extremes in Pentecost. We got one group that says, accept it all, Move along with them. Then we got another side that's cursing the culture, cursing the people, and have no love nor any grace. And over here we got all grace, and we got no truth. There has to be a happy medium, and if you read the Gospels, Jesus did just that. Paul did that on Mars Hill. He did that at the altar of the unknown God. And that is our responsibility today, to engage culture with the love of God and the message of the cross. I redemptive power that is able to transform lives. 
moving on this morning. Is it not working, Brother Grant? You'll have to follow me now. Move on to the next screen. Thirdly, I want to talk about the church, and I'm going to be rather quick because I know time has moved and you're all wanting to book your dinner. God bless you. Thirdly, this morning, church. When most people hear the word church, they probably think of a building. Maybe it's a fancy building or a simple building. Maybe where believers gather, but biblically speaking, a church is much more than a building. In fact, some would say that the church is not a building at all, but it's all of a people. I don't know who your historians are in Deer Lake, but I commend whoever they are. Because you celebrate your beginning at Hinder Hall, not when you build your church. I pastored some churches, and they were five years meeting in a building, but they don't celebrate their history until they build their church. And I'll say, what do you mean? Five years you were in the Orange Lodge? That wasn't the church? Oh, yes, it was. The church is people. The church are people. He's not coming back for buildings. He's coming back for the church. The Lundbach church without spot and without wrinkle. So the church are people. Who's going to influence Deer Lake? I want you to stand to your feet this morning. Come on, stand to your feet. Who's going to influence Deer Lake? Every person that's standing in this place this morning. I want you to lift your hands for a moment. And I want us to pray, dear Lord, may I be an influence in my culture, in my town, in my family. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. I just want to be a few more moments now. The church of Jesus Christ is referred to in the Bible by many things. But I want to briefly talk about three things. In the Bible, it's talked about the body of Christ. It's talked about the people of God. It's talked about the bride of Christ, which Christ is the head. The body of Christ and the people of God. The people of God, he says, I will be their God and they will be my people. The Christian church is not a building, but a body of believers united in Christ. I want to say that the real service, that's why I like the Salvation Army. You like the army, I do. They don't call this Sunday morning service. They call it a Sunday morning meeting. While we're, we're not in service this morning, we, I won't change tradition. I'll keep calling it the morning service. Do you know when service happens? When we leave the meeting and we go out into the community. That's when the service really happens. Now we can barricade ourselves on 45 Bennett Avenue. I thank God for what has happened in Deer Lake. You have had some of the greatest men and women that ever graced the pulpits of Newfoundland and Labrador, excluding me, that have stood in your pulpits right from the two little women who stood in 1926 as your first pastors, right down the pastor grinds, men and women of God who stood boldly behind the Word of God and stood on the principles of His Word. You have been blessed. But hear me. We're going to barricade ourselves in here and curse the culture. We're going to see a culture die without God. Now, I know I've been criticized, but you can criticize me again. How are we going to reach them if we don't get into the legion? How are we going to reach them if we don't get into their homes? How are we going to reach them if we don't participate with them and let them know God loves you? I've been in the ministry long enough. I've seen many come to Christ. And I'll tell you, 99% of them have come because of personal visitation, because someone has spoken into their life, because someone walked with them. And then all of a sudden, they've seen something different. And they've come into the doors of our church. And they've been saved. You and I today as the church of Jesus Christ is the only influence that will change this culture for the good. The culture needs to be changed by the power of the gospel, by the love of God, by the fellowship.
to the next screen. According to Paul, every believer is a function in the church. Just as there are different parts of the body, they have specific function. The idea of a group of clergy taking responsibility for all Christian ministry while a mass of lay people simply receive the benefit is totally foreign to Scripture. That's why we need kids alive leaders. That's why we need people in the only fellowship. That's why we need people as Bible study leaders. We need Sunday school teachers and ushers and sound room personnel. We need musicians. And we need encouragers and prayer warriors. Therefore, the idea of this clergy taking all of the ministry is foreign to Scripture. Bishops, elders, pastors, deacons, new believers are simply members of the body of Christ with a distinct responsibility and a role according to the maturity of each gift that they have. When Jesus presents the church, he will present the church as spotless, without blemish, one that is pure and one that is holy. We need compassion and sympathy to that. Jesus hadn't shown sympathy and compassion to a woman at the well. She wouldn't have gone back as a missionary into Samaria. The disciples would have bypassed the well. And there are not a Pentecostals this morning would rather bypass the well than give love to a woman at the well. I'm here today. Now I'm going to say this this morning and I want you to love me. There is no difference in sin. We have categorized sin. so-and-so, but sister so-and-so got a bad reputation, don't go there. Listen to me this morning. Sin is sin. And if they're sinners, they need Jesus. And if I don't love them, and you don't love them, who's going to love them? It is the mandate of us to love this generation and to show them they don't need to stay where they are. I read a statistic recently in McLean's Magazine. They did a survey of the young generation, Generation Z, X. What is it? The new generation. Those born after 95. <laughs> anyway, from 95 to present. Number one concern of that generation is they didn't feel loved. What an hour for the church to engage in culture, to show the love of God. To show the compassion of Jesus. To touch the lepers. To heal the sick. To minister to the hurting. To get the food into their hand. Just like he took the little boy's lunch. And multiplied it over and over and over again. But pastor, we're not going to make it. Canada's getting so bad we're not going to make it. Guess what? I was going to say it doesn't matter who gets elected in October. But it does matter to me. But in actual fact. It doesn't matter if the Green Party is elected or the Liberal Party or the Conservative Party or the NDP Party. Did I forget anybody? Whoever is elected, hear me today. Our mandate in this world is to give to this nation of Canada a message that we are the church. And it doesn't matter what you do to us. Hell cannot stop us. The devil cannot defeat us. There is nothing in the world that is going to bury the church. Pastor, how do you know? Jesus said he said, neither shall the gates of hell prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. We recently heard in our conference in Calgary, as we listened to bishops and leaders from the Pentecostal churches on every continent of this globe, some of them are under severe persecution, but they are bursting at the seams. One of the preachers, a lady preacher, said, Lord, I pray that you bring persecution to Canada. You see, I want you to remember our history. 
And I, I'll be as quick as I can. Let us remind that the gospel was birthed in a hostile and a pagan environment. The Romans killed Christians as a form of entertainment. And they were eaten alive by lions. It's a fact. And 11 of the 12 disciples, they weren't worth faith. Because 11 of the 12 of them Some of them were hung upside down on the cross. Others of them were killed with the sword. But 11 of the 12 apostles died a martyr's death. What did it do to the church? It propelled the church from the book of Acts to 2019. And the church of Jesus Christ is triumph. It is alive. It is vibrant. And it is changing this moment. Praise God. What does the word of God says? The word of God tells us how to live. We will not engage this culture. Moving on. This is working again now. Maybe I need to keep preaching. Hallelujah. <laughs> you see, the church, while engaging culture, must move forward in love. We must love them enough to speak truth to them. Now, I need to park here for a moment, and I know I'm in 33 minutes, but I'll give you just a couple of more. Hear me. Listen. Hear me. If we love them, we must love them enough to speak truth into their lives. But I want to say this. Some of you don't know the scriptures very well because the Bible says whenever you speak the truth, come on, you know the Bible. Whenever you speak the truth, you speak it in love. The Word of God is clear. Whenever you speak the truth, you speak it in love. Therefore, in this generation, if I walked in people's homes and all of a sudden they get a downgrade them, they would open the door and say, get out. But when they see the love of God, I have watched hardened people over our last 25, 27 years of ministry. Men who told me they didn't want to have anything to do with God. But as I continued to visit, I watched hearts that were hardened to the gospel begin softened to the gospel as the Holy Spirit began to minister into their lives. And they were transformed by the gospel. You see, the scripture is our authority. So when we speak the truth, we speak the truth of scripture. It's our beautiful and precious gift from God, and we are accountable to the Word of God. So therefore, we warn, we love, we set forward to them the very message of the gospel, Christ Jesus' come, that you might have life and that you might have it to its fullest. I bring it to a close, the musicians can return. This culture is rapidly changed. Yes, we can sit in our homes, we can get all upset, or we can minister to culture. The choice is up to us. If there was anybody who broke cultural lines, it was Jesus. If there was anybody who touched those who should not be touched, it was Jesus. Zacchaeus, no rabbi would have ever eaten with Zacchaeus. Because he was a crook. But Jesus said, come down Zacchaeus. I'm going to your house today. Ephesians chapter 2 says, And for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you used to live. You followed the ways of the world and the kingdom of the air. The Spirit who is now working you, disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time. Gratifying the flesh. Following the desires. But like the rest, we were by nature deserving the wrath, the Bible says. But because of His great love for us, God who was rich in mercy made us alive in Christ. And even when we were dead in transgressions and sins, it is by God's grace we have been saved. So what are we seeing today? The best thing
thing we can do is proclaim the good news of the gospel. Jesus has come, and you can have eternal life. We need to love God with all our hearts and all our soul. And we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. We need to be friends of sinners without becoming one of them, but being friends with them. We need to hold intention. The fact that we are in the world, but not of the world, but our citizenship is in heaven, and confessing Jesus as Lord, declaring that we will make a difference. We can indeed repeat the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You see, Christians must walk a manner worthy of God, who calls us His own kingdom and glory. We must pursue holiness instead of convenience. He has called us to be blameless in our conduct. Of course, it is not possible to be blameless in our own flesh. But 2 Peter 1 and 3 tells us that we have been granted by the divine power of Christ all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has called us to His own glory and excellence. As we reach this culture, let's not condemn them for their sin. When we have sins in our own lives. And can I say this as I close? We can't expect sinners to live like Christians. Sinners live like sinners. Christians ought to live like Christians. And when we live like Christians, and we share to them the cross, we don't center out five sins. Say it's all right to backbite, it's all right to tear down, it's all right to be angry, it's all right to. No. They see people that are striving to perfection. And the gospel can have a positive influence on this culture. We're going to stand as we're going to sing together. And I know this is a morning service, and I know maybe a bit later. But if you're here this morning and you say it with me, Pastor. I need Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm a good God. I can make the to the Lord. And then I want every believer in this building to say, Pastor, I understand the culture. I understand the climate. I know where we are. But I want to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And I want to make a difference like they did in Bible times in this culture. And I want God to use me and mold me and shake it. I want you to come. We're going to have a corporate prayer in a little while. But I want you to come. And we stand together as we stand. Oh, oh, oh.